Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, before we get to Doug and Jess, good morning, everybody. If you have a question for them, 866-391-1020. And right now, the 10th caller at 412-922-1020 wins that $25 gift certificate from Sorgal. So without further ado, Doug and Jess in another week of the Organic Gardeners on News Radio 1020 KDKA. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and everybodygardens.com. And I am horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And I had the best day yesterday because I got hundreds of bulbs planted got them done you know out of the way uh blue leaves shredded leaves watch the birds it was a cold day to be out there no doing it was that. really nice was it, it? Was really nice I feel like it was pretty cold yesterday i was wearing long johns and jeans with like flannel in them and, and some gloves i'm sure definitely yeah. uh actually the gloves came from andy and rhyme of uh that ev true value he brought them on tv they were the they are the warmest i don't know what they are but they are the warmest gloves and they're they're, they're like uh like old-fashioned glove like uh like wo- not wool but like you know what i mean like soft yeah. like that yeah uh, and so no i was in i was in hog heaven there you go it was awesome and you can come over and do mine now you didn't done plant it. your i got a few done i didn't get them all done i'm not gonna lie to you I'm not going to tell you I got them done when I didn't. They're in a safe place, that's and they will super, get planted. That super powerful drill I bought made the difference. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. 20 volt. Yeah. I wish I would have used that all the way <laughs> forever. <laughs> that battery lasted in the cold yesterday easily for like 300 bulbs. Yeah. You know? Wow. Uh, so i just glad to get that job done. Well, and the whole ball bogger, I mean, in general, just makes everything so much easier. But then to have a powerful drill backing it. Is extra bonus. Well, hey, so for those of you out there who have a gardener in your life that know and love planting bulbs, that would be a great Christmas gift, right? To get a little ball bogger like that. I'm telling you, the one the that I discovered uh, from our friend Randy Schultz uh, called the Power Pro Bulb Planter or mm-hmm. Bulb Auger or something like that. That's the I like it because it's short. You know, all the ones that we've used. Yeah, the or, sta- our stand up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not a. You know, standing up and then putting the bulb down. It, yeah. This is great. You're yeah. on your knees. Boom, boom, boom. I, I seriously, even faster than the the taller one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when he sent that to me, I gave one to a novice gardener. I took one, and then I gave one to some other person that's kind of a you know mid level gardener at work. And we all tried it, and everybody loved it. The thing is that the shaft isn't round. It's hexagonal, okay. and so it doesn't slip. That's nice, you yeah. Because that was the other thing, right? You know? Right. So yeah, that's a, a great. That's the that's for me. That's my number one garden tool. I love that thing. 
especially this time of the year. And you're going to really love it in the spring when all those beautiful bulbs come into flower oh, man, and you'll I be remembering yesterday of, in the cold. Also, not only <laughs> am I excited to see all the different varieties bloom, but it's the thing where I'm going to tell everybody, you know, I only paid 25 cents on the oh, dollar for that bulb. <laughs> yeah. The pride and joy of being a cheapskate. frugal. Right. <laughs> being frugal. And you uh, are are heard a little in or a little secret about somewhere that Santa's going to be today? Yes, yes. Today at Han Nursery, the gardening Santa will be there. It's ap- from 2 to 4. It's absolutely free. There are lots of treats. There's rarely a line, although we were although they were very busy last Sunday. Uh, and Santa is very patient. If if uh, the child is a little hesitant about Santa, they can walk around the nursery, watch what Santa does, and we, you know, adults can come in, the whole family can get their picture, pets can come in. That's today, two to four, at Han Nursery, the gardening Santa. You can see uh, some pictures from last week, because uh, I, I happened to stop by there and shot some pictures of Santa doing his thing. So you can see those on my Facebook page. And Han is a beautiful place to be this time of year. Oh as man, the all way of our it's local all decorated, I mean, it's and awesome. all the poinsettias and all that kind of stuff. It's just. An amazing place to be. If you want a little, you know, uh, a chance to to go out and get a little jolly, go to a local nursery, check out the poinsettias. Um, Also, I've been seeing a lot of pictures lately at Phipps uh, for the Winter Flower Show. And the night times are my favorite to go out and see all the lights that they have there and the the candlelight walks through the conservatory. It's just a beautiful place to be. I always tell people for that because it is really getting popular. Yeah, yeah. I think they, I forget what she told me, but mine had doubled their... Wow. Attendance. So I say go if you can. Go in the late afternoon, check it out in, in the light, under daylight, right. mm-hmm. and then wait because uh, you, then you'll have a parking spot. You mm-hmm. won't have to pay for the valet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go through again at night. And those nighttime lights, they've added another new uh, – oh, geez, what's it called? I just looked at it. But there's another little area there. Indoors with, or out? out outside. outside. Okay. New lights. And those lights – it's all unconventional, which yeah. is cool, which yeah. I really love. And, I mean, I think that's a brave choice. Yep. Uh, it's really beautiful. A great show, too, on the inside, too. And super creative. That's the other thing that I really like about all the use of colors and those, I don't even know what you call them, the big ones, the, like, glowing balls and the, yeah, the uh, shapes and all that kind of Winter really blobs. Cool. Is that what winter <laughs> blobs. That's the technical <laughs> that's the term official for technical that. term. It's just beautiful, and it's creative and lovely. And the point is to get down there and have a chance to, to check it out. So. But inside in the uh, sunken garden, it's, I just think it's, again, that's a creative thing where you've got this dining room table, and at the dining room table, there are little cups with the, your dessert is a succulent. Oh, and cute. And so then you go, you go out of the... Or maybe the tea is a second. Yeah, then you go out, you, you go around the corner there before you get into the other three rooms, mm-hmm. and there's a dessert tray, like a tall dessert tray, all with little succulents with little fake cherries on top and stuff. Just those little attention to detail that a, a designer does is is the fun thing. One of the fun things for me looking at the show. Hey, congratulations to Judy, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. We're going to take a short break. Still room on the phone lines if you have a question for Doug and Jess. 866-391-1020. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. 
Diz Radio 1020, KDK. All right, if you have a question for Doug and Jess, now would be a great time to call because all of our lines are available, so you're going to have an immediate opportunity to talk to the guys today. So 866-391-1020. Let's get back now to more of the Organic Gardeners with Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace. All right, gifts for gardeners. What are you thinking? Gifts for gardeners. Well... Uh, obviously a gift certificate to your favorite local nursery or their favorite local nursery is always a good idea. I'm telling you what's hot right now. I'm seeing everywhere. Uh, and we have talked about this in the past because it's sort of been a trend that's been building the last couple of years, but terrariums in beautiful glass containers, you know, apothecary, whatever they call those jars with the lids on and everything, they can be really creative and they can, you can get some really cool plants for them and people put little accents in there and things. I think that's a great idea. There's also a really cool apron that I learned about, a gardening apron. It's called the Roo Roo apron, like a kangaroo Roo apron. And it has this, the bottom of the apron like folds up and clips. So it makes like a little basket at your waist. And so you can be deadheading. And instead of having a whole separate bin to carry, you just put it in this little basket in the front of the apron. And then uh, or weeds or whatever you put in there, harvested tomatoes. And then when you want to empty it, you just um, pull open the, the sides and then it opens up. The basket opens up and then you can pour it into a compost pile or into the wheelbarrow or whatever. Uh, and it's like got this waxy coating on it to make it really water resist. It's I was like, I was really impressed. A friend of mine um, gardens in Texas and I saw it on her Instagram feed. I was like, what is that apron you're using? And then I did a little investigating about it, and it, it it's really cool. Mm. It's a really cool apron. Um, Can never go wrong with a good set of pruners. Oh, true. Everybody needs more than one set of pruners. Yeah, because we lose them, right? Yeah, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> you find them in the compost pile like two years later. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. used this sharpening tool for almost 30 years called AccuSharp. I love mine. And it's like 14 bucks, And just sharp, getting the tool sharp, whether it's... You know, not just your pruners and loppers, but seriously, shovels, hoes, trowels, it makes a big difference. Something I never really thought about. But yeah, that uh, that's a good little stocking stuffer. I have stuffer. two AccuSharps. I have one for my garden tools and one for my kitchen knives. And the the one that's knife specific is awesome. I just have it in my utility drawer in the kitchen. And it's literally like three swipes. And your knife is just sharp as a razor. I just sharpened my greatest dad knife you have a greatest dad knife <laughs> yeah my kid did gave you buy me... it for yourself no, my, my kid gave me a greatest dad's knife so I, it's a really cool knife so nice you know it's better to have them sharp they'll they'll last longer they're safer when they're sharp believe yeah. it or not uh, especially kitchen knives boy you know they should be really sharp no slipping and yep, all that stuff yep, yeah yep, yep. there's another little knife that i really like have you seen that called a twine uh ring knife a twine knife so it's this little tiny um the first actually the first place i ever saw this was up at Dambaz lake forest where we go get our christmas tree every year and they had them with the twine in the parking lot to cut the twine to cut tie the tree to the christmas tree to the top of your car and it's, it goes around your finger it's like a little ring and then there's a little uh hook shaped blade on the ring and so uh you put the put the ring around your finger you got the hook shaped blade on that so if you're cutting twine for like tying up your tomatoes or like in in my garden when i mulch the garden with straw i use it to just cut the baling twine on the straw and it's literally just a flick of your finger Mm. and you cut it and so if i have the ball of twine there to tie up the tomatoes i just pull the twine give you know use that twine knife and it's so quick it's real. It's a really great little tool. I've actually been using a kneeler for the first time. You know, never used one before. <gasps> okay. And really comfy. I'm not going to make any 
<laughs> judgment. I'm old. <laughs> need to kneel her now. No. <laughs> ah, it's really comfy because always in the past I had, uh, you know, just been on the ground, the cold ground. And so yesterday I used that kneeler the whole way through. It was awesome. And it's like, again, you know, $15 item. Yeah. That's what you say we go to the phones. And uh, Peter joins us right now. Hey, Peter, good morning. How are you? Fine, folks. Let me take you off speaker. Okay. How's everybody today? Doing good. What's on your mind? Have you guys ever heard of snow on the mountain? Yes, sir. Well, we have an English garden. Mm-hmm. And when we bought the house, the snow on the mountain was very nice. Okay. And it has essentially invaded every space where there is dirt. <laughs> okay. Now, and is... what we want to know is, do I need a Tommy gun or what? <laughs> okay, let's be be clear on what snow on the mountain you're talking about. Are you talking about the annual that gets to be about two feet tall, uh, white and gray uh, leaves on there? Or are you talking about the ground cover that's fuzzy and gray and, and real low to the ground? It's low to the ground, but it gets these stalks that come up with flowers on them. Okay, because this. So I would I would say it could be the two feet taller one. Okay, because the two feet taller one is an it's an annual it's a self sowing annual it's actually related to poinsettia it's in the same genus it's a Euphorbia marginata and that's what I know as snow on the mountain but it does get tall does it have a white milky sap when you break a branch off? No. Okay, so that's not what it is because. The true snow on the mountain, this Euphorbia marginata, does have that. It almost it's like poinsettia sap, that white, sticky, latex-filled sap. Um, well, this has this has a green leaf with a white edge. Green leaf. Oh, he's talking about agapodium. He's talking about bishop's weed. I betcha. Oh. I bet that. And it, does it have send flower stalks up that are like yep, Queen Anne's lace looking? That's what it is. That's what they look yeah, like. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, that's a yeah. beautiful plant until it it's gets beautiful. It's until great it gets for covering and filling. And when you have yeah. lots of shade, it's great. Yeah, yeah, but it does. It's yeah. invasive. It is one I recommend that people don't plant, either the variegated form or the solid green form. So it's known as bishop weed or gout weed is commonly what the two common names are that are most frequently used with them. But I do have heard people call it snow on the mountain as well. It's extremely aggressive. It spreads by underground roots uh, called rhizomes that make it so prevalent. And this, the crazy part is when you go to dig it out of somewhere, if you leave a tiny little portion of a root behind, it will sprout into a brand new plant. Um, oh, for sure. I've dealt with yeah. this now for years. Yeah. And I actually know a gardener up in Canada who used a, rented a skid loader and actually removed the top like eight inches of her soil in a whole big bed because of the fact that this, they just couldn't get rid of it. They couldn't for find me, a way to get rid of for it. For me, it would be... Putting it on a continual top cutting thing, I know that seems like crazy, but trying to trying to just weed whack that top off where you don't want it, that would be the way I'm. I'm that's how I'm dealing with stuff like that. I've got that. I've got bamboo. That's another thing I was doing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Was cutting. Yeah, that you don't want bamboo. that. No, you don't. Uh, my bishop's weed though is up. Uh, it kind of crawls out into the sun, and then in the summer it just kind of dies back. Yeah. You know? But I, if I had it down in the shade, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's just how I deal with those. The other thing is when you have an invasive like that, sometimes it's about turning away, turning around how you look at it. <laughs> Seriously, it's just like you know, if it's yeah, if I mean, it, I'm, it's very nice when it fills everything in. If it's but not it continues to encroach on places I don't want it to go. That's the problem when you, it's with, with places you don't want it. That's where personally I would cut 
the tops off. So what do you think, Jess? Yeah, the repeated top kill. I mean, that's the the uh, version that most people have success with. I know people use, you know, chemical herbicides on it, and even those aren't very effective. So, No, I've yeah. tried that before, and it, they seem to drink it up. Exactly. So that repeated top kill will eventually starve the roots out, but you have to be religious about it. Every time you have a sprout poke up, you have to immediately cut it off, and you're cutting off that source of, source of photosynthesis then to the roots, and that's really the way to... Um, you know, to combat it. But again, if you have a big patch of it that's continually spreading, I mean, it's going to be almost a never ending battle. Uh, you can also do a, the, a smother method, which would be real early in the spring, weed whack it all the way down to the ground. And then if you can get in between the plants that are already in that bed, put down a really thick, uh, maybe 15 sheets of newspaper, and then cover that with mulch. Or you could even, if it's a big bed around shrubs, you could even use cardboard and then cover that with mulch. And again, you're working on starving those roots out. But then anytime you have something that sprouts around a plant or anything, you have to get in there and really make sure that you continually top kill that. Well, you've told me what I feared you would. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's always, we'd love to give better news. But when you have a plant like that. Yep. And you see it all the time. Oh, and it's still for sale it at nurseries. Beautiful. I mean, when it, in the shade garden, it's it's a great filler. It's beautiful. Yeah, but it is it is just a lesson learned. It's just be careful what you what you introduce to the garden. Thanks because, so much for yeah, your call. Can be aggressive. All right, listen. If you want to talk to Doug and Jess, we got lots of phone lines available. Our next stop is going to be Emsworth after the news update. Talk to Hazel, but we'd love to hear from you at eight six six three nine one ten twenty. As we continue to move along on a snowy, wintry Sunday morning, December the tenth, two thousand seventeen. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. Is Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, we'll take the 10th caller and win a $25 gift certificate from the folks at Janoski's in Clinton, 412-922-1020. And let's say hi to uh, Hazel in Emsworth. Hazel, welcome to the Organic Gardeners. Thanks for holding on. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question for Jeff about insects on my... Um, I have a dwarf lemon tree, and the leaves are getting little bubbles on them, and then after that, they curl up. And we were thinking of using a systemic, that bonide systemic granules, um, is that something that's okay to use? Okay, so you probably have a, a type of scale. When you describe little bubbles or bumps on the leaves or on the stems like that, that's pretty clear that that it's scale and do you see any sticky substance on the leaves or on the floor underneath the plant no okay so sometimes that's like a a a subsequent sign that there's a scale infestation because as they suck out plant sap then they exude a, a sticky substance that's called honeydew it's their excrement basically and it will leave like a sticky surface over the lower leaves on the plant and the in the tabletop and stuff like that. Um, you do have to control that scale. However, I would not recommend that you use a systemic um, because it, those are some pretty harsh chemicals. Uh, they do move into the nectar and the pollen of the plants. And although that's not an issue this time of year because your lemon tree is inside, when you take it out next spring, that can become an issue and it can be quite harmful to pollinators and other beneficial insects and as well. And certainly safer ways to deal with 100%. Scale. And you don't want that on an edible plant either. If it grows oh. lemons, you're ingesting that. And uh, there's just least methods that are far less toxic than a systemic like that. 
Um, for scale, actually, manual removal, if it's not too big of a plant, just using a cotton ball soaked in um, rubbing alcohol and literally wiping that scale off of the plant. And I know it's a big job, but you really only have to do it twice, about 10 days apart from each other. And that manual removal is enough usually to limit the infestation or get rid of it entirely. Um, another option that would work for you would be horticultural oil, um, although you would probably have to do two, maybe even three, a timed about two weeks apart uh, on the upper and lower leaf surfaces. And that can help control that as well and do it in a safer manner just to put the plant in the bathtub and do the applications there so you're not going to harm any furniture or anything like that. But the isopropyl rubbing alcohol on a cotton swab is really the best way to get rid of scale on, on any house plant, not just a lemon tree like that. What about um, gardenia that has spider mites? What could we use on that? Would neem oil be um, an acceptable thing? Um, neem oil is acceptable. However, I also caution against using neem inside of a contained environment of a house. Obviously, it is a product that's safe for uh, cert even certified organic farms and gardens, but I still think it's not the least toxic thing. I think that uh, you could use insecticidal soap or horticultural oil and have equally, if not more, effectiveness on controlling those spider mites on that plant. Do read the label, though, because some brands say do not use them on a gardenia because that's a particularly sensitive plant. So make sure that you read the label for which plants you're able to use it on before you buy it and that you so that you know because you don't want to defoliate that plant. And, and again, especially with a really sensitive plant like that gardenia. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Hazel. Good luck. Kind of moved away from neem oil. Neem oil used to be something that, uh, you know, organic maybe 10 years ago, but with... Uh, certainly with spinosad coming out, and then also uh, information about how neem oil affects the bees. Yeah, and can and it you know it depends so much on the you, you the application, the person who's making the application, the timing of it. Are the bees active? Are they not? I mean, no matter what you're using, if you're using any product, even if it's just something uh, as benign as horticultural oil or insecticidal soap, you still have to pay attention to those things. You still have to watch. You know, don't ever do anything when when the pollinators are active. Um, don't do anything if you see evidence of ladybugs or other beneficials on the plant because you could be negatively impacting them as well. All right, let's say hi now to Art in Ross Township with Doug and Jess on the Organic Gardener Show. Hey, Art, good morning. Hey, good morning, and uh, Merry Christmas uh, to you all. Merry Christmas. Uh, get that in early. My problem is my uh, Christmas cactus that doesn't bloom. I keep it on top of a microwave directly in front of a uh, kitchen window so it's got the full window and now the leaves are starting to drop off and it looks like it's going to go first question always for a plant like that is is the watering tell us a little bit about how you're watering it yeah i water it uh, once a week with a uh, a little bottle i have like a spray bottle so uh, that's as much as i put in okay and i had put more before and it it comes out in uh, the dish uh, that it's on. Okay. The surprising thing for most people about Christmas cactuses is they're not actually a cactus at all. They're a tropical plant that um, typically grows up in trees. It's an epiphyte. It grows up in trees and it grows in a very moist environment. So people think that they're cactuses and you shouldn't water them often, but they do require uh, regular irrigation and much more than you would get from a squirt bottle. Uh, you should take that Christmas cactus and put it in the sink and 
flush the water through that soil once every week or 10 days, maybe even every two weeks. And don't let it sit in the saucer underneath, but rather let it drain out those holes in the bottom. And that's going to give you a much more effective, thorough uh, application of water than just using a little misting bottle. And they usually flower when they're ready. Yeah. Should I keep right. it in a darker place or what? No, the window's perfect. Okay, well, I thank you for that. I'll try that, and uh, I guess it's like flushing the dirt out. Well, you right. don't want to flush the dirt out, but you want to flush the water through the soil. So through, you want through the dirt, right? Okay. You want it to do. You want at least twenty percent of what you put in the top to drain out through those drainage holes in the bottom, and that will help flush excessive fertilizer salts out, and and really just do a good job of getting to even the lower roots down in the bottom of the pot as well. All cool. right, let's go to Jim in the South Hills. Jim, how you doing? Good morning. Welcome to Katie K and the Organic Gardeners. Good morning. I have uh, six fig trees. And I, I keep them outside. They grow in the dirt. So I cover them up every year, and I get a good harvest. i got to move two of them. They're 16 feet high. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, I ain't got no problem moving it, but when can I move it? I didn't cover them two up this year. I covered the other ones up. Well, first off, if you're getting a good harvest off your figs, for, uh, off the air, just leave your address so in the summer we're going to come <laughs> by and get some figs. <laughs> Because I know a couple gardeners here that don't get good harvests off their fig trees. I got three last year. Uh, I've had them every year. I get them bushels of them. And 16 feet tall. And four purple. Wow. You know, I wouldn't move that 16 foot tall tree. I would take, you know, one of those little sprouts from below and and move that if you want another spot. If you've got that many trees, I I mean, you're not. Moving a 16 foot tree is going to be. Almost impossible. Uh, well, I have to move because these two are on the property line and they're, you know, they're going over. They get up there pretty high and they start pushing out. That was going to be my question: is why do you have to move it? The ball. I can take them out with a machine, but I just wonder what time of the year. If I was your neighbor, I would encourage you to leave those trees there because I would be on the other side picking those figs. <laughs> I would I would personally move them in the spring, but while they're still dormant. So after oh, the okay. after the ground has frozen, but before their buds start to swell, while that plant is still dormant, um, if you're going to use like a tree spade or something to dig it out, I would get that tree spade uh, hole prep first. So in other words, where you're going to move it to, take that spade of soil out and then go get the tree so that it can immediately go right into its new planting um, place. Uh, and if you're using a tree spade, it's going to be the same size hole, so you won't have to worry about digging a hole too big or too small. Um, but I would do it at that time, and I would also not let it fruit this coming year. So if you have any fruits develop on that, I would go ahead and pinch them off because what you really want that tree to do is put its energy into reestablishing a root system instead of producing fruit. And so when, when, you're, pinch, pinch when you're pinching those off, take something out there to dry your tears. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you for the call. <laughs> we'll be right back. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDK. Getting all ready for the holidays, party appetizers, and of course, it's all about holiday, as in Christmas and Hanukkah traditions today with Joe and Frank Dentisi. But guess who is on the line? It's Mrs. Know It All. That's Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Good morning, Denise. 
Good so morning. the lady that called in about having scale uh, on her lemon tree, uh, I would recommend using the um, lightweight oil. So when she goes to purchase that, make sure, you know she goes to you know a, a garden center. You know they will have the dormant oil that you would use typically um, soon on apple trees. Uh, she really wants that. I don't find that um, alcohol really works on scale, and all you got to do is miss one. They also have a, a crawler stage, and uh, they sometimes fly. So using the oil is going to give her more complete coverage. Um, and, you know, here again, like you suggested, put it in the bathtub and spray it that way, unless it's some huge monster of a tree. Um, but that, I find, is more effective than the alcohol. The other thing is, if it's really not a large plant, uh, after she is done, uh, I would say in a month, if she no longer sees any scale, I would transplant it, uh, just put it in some new soil. Um, don't put, make the pot any bigger. Just use it. Uh, anytime you have an insect infestation like scale, which is like the bane of anybody that takes care of houseplants, um, I find that you just kind of give yourself a little extra luck by putting it in fresh potting soil. Not garden soil, just potting soil. Very good tip. So have you had scale before on your indoor I have. plants? Yeah, I have. And it is, um, it, it's such a challenge to Could control. Could you imagine having it, it like in a... Uh, like a Phipps or a yeah. the uh, zoo or something. Yeah, you know? I mean, thankfully there. In though, when you're talking about like at Phipps, where you have a contained environment of the conservatory, that's where like a biocontrol, right? Which is where they're releasing. That's what they use a lot. One insect to eat those a good insect to eat those bad insect. I mean, that's a perfect environment because those good insects can't go away, right? They can't fly over to the neighbor's house like they can in your home garden. So a biocontrol, and I know they employ a ton of that at Phipps. That is a a great way to do it. You can't really do that in your home. You're not going to release, you know, uh, scale destroyers in your home on because. The, on the yeah. other hand, at Phipps, you need a really big bathtub. But um, bump. <laughs> hey, let's say hi to Sharon in Latrobe. Hey, Sharon. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks. Merry Christmas. What's going on? Well, I go into these stores and I see these beautiful poinsettias, but they're kind of expensive. But I've heard and I've seen people that keep them for years. But I've never had any luck. What's the trick? First thing is not overwatering. Uh, I've keep them for years, being the number one okay. cheapskate. And I've been posting some stuff about poinsettias we both have. And I've been hearing from lots of people that get them to overwinter. They're, they really, they never color up in the same way that they do for a greenhouse. Uh, so they're but, not going to be purple or blue next year. You know, they, they, they're not going to be blue. No, they're <laughs> definitely not going to be blue. But you you might get some color out of them, out of the bracts, especially with the newer varieties, aren't quite as day-length sensitive. But for me, the, you know, they're an easy, easy houseplant. I think the thing that stops a lot of people, too, is that when you get to the late winter and they start to drop all their leaves and they drop all their bracts, people think, oh my gosh, I've gone and killed it because it's just a bunch of bare stems. But many types of poinsettias will actually sort of shift into a semi-dormancy where they will drop their almost all of their leaves. Don't give up on the plant when that happens. It doesn't look so hot, but that doesn't mean it's dead. And, and then what oh. happens when, when the temperature warms up again and you can move that plant outside 
it will flush out with new foliage and you can keep it in a container or tuck it into the shade garden somewhere, put it in a shady spot and it will grow outside and do beautifully. It becomes this sort of lush, gorgeous, tropical plant. Um, and really? then, yeah, yeah. And you just have to remember to move it back indoors before we get a frost in the fall. So usually, you know, in September when the nighttime temperatures drop down into the 50s, it's time to move that plant back inside. But don't give up on it should it drop all of its leaves. You you low, reduce the watering a little bit when that happens and just sort of stay the course. And then when you put it back outside again, many times those, as long as the stems remain flexible and pliable, there's still life in there and they're gonna flush out when the spring arrives. A, a lot of people, will you, you'll get them out you know, in May and they'll grow, they'll get so big that that's it. Yeah. Let the frost take them and then you start again. I, I'm telling you what, I just did uh, a video and a story about poinsettias and I did it at Janoski's. When you get a plant that has been grown locally from a little start, like they do at Janoski's, it is so much healthier, so much fresher, mm -hmm. and lasts so much longer. You know, uh, one thing that Mike Janoski taught me was really look closely at the beads, the actual real flowers. And if you've got green and red there as opposed to yellow, it's a very fresh plant. It's going to last a lot longer. So for you're looking you. at those center, at the center of the colorful bracts. There's little beads in there. And that's what he's talking about. So don't pick oh. them when they're bright yellow. Don't buy that poinsettia when they're bright yellow because that's like buying a, to be yellow. a rose that's already open, nope. right? You nope. Want red you want, and green. Yep. Red and green, little tight. Uh, those are the ones that are going to last the longest. And you know, there's a new series out. It's been out about three years that I've fallen in love with. It's called Prinsettia. And I've, they're all over Phipps now. Uh, of course, they have at Janoski's. It's a shorter plant. It's a, a, a hybrid and uh, you can get pure white. Mm. I, not creamy, pure white. Uh, yeah, called Prinsettia. I love them. Hey, thanks for the call. We'll come back to wrap it up next. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, party appetizers, Hanukkah, Christmas meals, all that stuff coming up with Joe and Frank Dentisi. The party appetizer is always a good idea this time of year. With holidays fast approaching. We're going to be mainly taking your calls on that. And that's coming up next time. But right now, Doug and Jess have a couple of more minutes before they end another week of the Organic Gardeners on News Radio 1020, KDKA. I would like to, because we were talking about poinsettias before the break, I would actually like to um, to talk to you about a video that I have posted on my Facebook page, and it's just Jessica Walliser, and it was from a company, and it's a young man, and he is dispelling the myth that poinsettias are poisonous to cats and pets. They are not. That is a long-held myth. And it is a video, and it is very well done. And you scroll down my feed, it's maybe two or three posts down. And it's a young man sitting at a dining room table surrounded by poinsettias. And let's just say the, the proof is in the pudding because he actually sits at the table and eats the poinsettias. It's hysterical. It's very well done. Uh, at the end, you meet his aunt, and it's just super funny. Uh, and so if you're ever curious about that, 
this is a, he gives a lot of facts about it. He gives some uh, data and information on how many leaves a, a cat or a kid would have to eat, which is like 500 or something crazy like that. And they apparently taste very bad that there is no cat that's crazy enough to eat 500 leaves to worry about getting a digestive disturbance. So this is a long-held myth that has to go away because poinsettias are not, and they're not listed uh, on any websites that are reputable as being toxic to pets. I can't even so. imagine tasting that. Well, he puts he... ranch dressing on it, which uh, is the funniest part. Uh, he makes a salad out of poinsettia leaves white and puts come ranch out of there, You dressing. know it's going to taste awful. Yeah. Oh, it's that... very funny. It's a very funny video. So that that's uh, that's my uh, my plea for you to go out and support these local nurseries and buy some gorgeous poinsettias because you don't have to worry about them being toxic to your pets. Another In fact, one, I think I might go out and get one today. Another one of my favorites is a weird one called Winter Rose. Oh, that's cool with a contorted leaf, mm-hmm. contorted bracts. Contorted bracts and tall grows grows kind of lanky and tall. Yeah, uh, that's and again that's one that lasts really well through the winter. I, I just I love to have them on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep them going, and the the really the the way people kill them is just leaving that foil on and overwatering. Yeah, you know I have to they tell can you take too. A lot, of, a lot of dry. My uh, amaryllis mm-hmm. from Longfield Gardens or uh, White Flower Farm is uh, is amazing. The it has two flower buds on it, and the one flower bed bud is uh, over two feet tall. It's crazy. Well, I told you when I interviewed uh, their head gardener, she gave me a tip for one giant one that they were shipping in from the Netherlands called Pleasure. It's sold out now, I think, since I posted about it. I can't wait to see what that thing does because that bulb was too big for the pot. Wow. Yeah. And Does she, it have a flower spike? Not, how, how, not yet. Not they're, yet. They're, okay. they're coming. Yeah. So we'll see how many I get. And, you know, with with any bulb, almost any bulb, that bigger means yeah. just you're going to get more. Now with amaryllis you do have to watch because they are toxic are they? to cats. So you have to be very careful with them. We have ours on a plant stand that's in a corner that the cats actually can't get to and they can't jump up on this particular stand. I so got this a, is a good place for I it. got another variety from White Flower Farm called Rebecca, which Ooh. is the fragrant one. I can't oh, wait. Oh, nice. Remember the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.